Hello, welcome to Dance Futures, the podcast that discusses dance as a way of life with people who've made it central to theirs. My name is Dr. Ruth Pettybridge, self-confessed dance geek. And every week, as well as interviews with lesser spotted independent dance artists, I will be geeking out on some aspect of dance theory, history or philosophy in an attempt to share with you what the practice and study of dance has to offer. I'll also be checking in every episode with my so-called finger on the pulse, aka performance artist and recent dance and choreography graduate, Robin Alvarez, about what's floating her boat this week, what she's obsessed with and why we should get on board with it. Dance has always been part of human history, but what might it become in the future? This week feels suitably futuristic as I talk to choreographer Keir Klein about his work with digital and virtual choreography, coding and non-human artists. The robots are coming. Or are they? Hi, Kia. Hello, hello. Hello. Thank you for joining me on Dance Futures. Woo, it's great to be here. Um, so to me it feels kind of really appropriate to be speaking to somebody who is kind of uh, really stretching the boundaries of what we might think of in relation to kind of dance and choreography um, so uh, Keir Klein isn't it and you you described yourself you described it as being that you work in digital choreography yeah um, digital or virtual choreography okay great so can you tell us a bit more about what that is Sure. So um, a lot of people think of, especially as kind of the movement, uh, the performative movement of humans. Uh, Digital or virtual choreography kind of pushes the envelope and imagines what happens if you replace the human with software or a robot? What if the choreographic uh, uh, mode of choreography is using software or or virtual means? A very good example of this is um, with traffic lights. So traffic lights are a a piece of hardware which tells uh, cars when to stop or when to go. Um, So in a sense, it's this big, big piece of software um, choreographing the movement of these vehicles in a very intricate way. Wow, yeah, that's a great example. Mm. And something that is... um... Also, you know, I know we've talked about this before in studies of dance around this idea of choreography as an expanded field of how we can kind of think about the movement of people and objects in a bigger way than just in the dance studio or on the stage, for example. Mm. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely a field that's a lot uh that kind of pushes away from dance's more traditional roots of uh, you have some nice music, you dance along to it. It's it's a lot more abstract, should we say. <laughs> yeah, to say the least. Yeah. Um, so I suppose what, um, what it makes me think about a little bit is that, um, as you kind of said to me in our little pre-chat, you said, yeah, I imagine you didn't get into dance to be sitting in front of a computer, which is very much how I am feeling in a kind of post-COVID world. Um, however, you why did you get into dance then and, and how did that evolve into this place, which is very much, like you say, not so much to do with bodies in space? Mm. Um, I think the way I got into uh, virtual choreography as kind of my practice was all surrounded by these two worlds that I was inhabiting. On one hand, I've always I've always danced. Uh, my, my parents thought it would have 
uh, be a great thing for me to do as more of a kind of social thing to dance with people. I attended dance classes for a long time. But on the other end of the spectrum, I've always been very interested in uh, technology. I was a child of the internet. Um, mm -hmm. Very much kind of, um, I feel I grew up in uh, a space where the internet became a bigger part of uh, all of our lives, really. Um, yeah. And it wasn't until I got to Falmouth that I realised that I can kind of put these two worlds together. So during my uh, third year, I started to learn how to code. Um, and whilst I was doing that, I was like, hmm, what, what, what should I make? And my first idea was to make a, um, to make a little piece of software that um, had a big grid that would be the stage and little squares that would move around on the grid and tell the dancers where to go. Um, it was a very uh, primitive piece, but um, it, it was definitely something that uh, kind of pushed me along this uh, this avenue of virtual virtual dance and virtual choreography. Brilliant, yeah. So um, I guess yeah, sort of coming clean to say that you obviously studied at Falmouth University, where I'm a yep. lecturer, and I had the pleasure of working with you on your final written uh, research project, which dealt with this idea of non-human artists and kind of legitimizing the role of the non-human in um, artistic practice which is obviously uh, especially now it feels um, a really kind of uh, pertinent but also controversial point to make because there's this feeling of like the robots are coming, we're going to be replaced by machines. <laughs> I mean, is that just me? I don't think so. Um, um, so yeah, I, I would say that's a big feeling among people. So I wondered where, you, where your thoughts were on that now. Like, are you still working with, because I know what you described there was a kind of choreographic score almost that the dancers responded to. Mm. Are you still working with dancers um, in space or has it very much moved to something that's even more non-human, as it were? Um, I think so. When I was writing, uh, when I was writing my dissertation, um, Falmouth's really great because it allows you to explore all of these different avenues that you might not think of exploring. And especially you and the other lecturers were able to point me in different directions of different references. I think at the time I was very much set on this idea that I wanted to completely remove the human and have something that's uh, completely non-human in uh, in dance, which I ended up at the end of my dissertation finding out that that's kind of impossible. I mean, <laughs> dance <laughs> dance has always been um, a part of uh, human uh, of human life, of human uh, existence. You see it among all different types of culture, and you're always going to see it through a human lens. So my more recent work has kind of been moving towards uh, figuring out how to uh, convert existing kinds of dance into more digital styles or even kind of digitizing scores. For example, I'm working on a piece at the moment which uses um, online participatory gameplay um, to uh, choreograph uh, uh, the playing of a video game. Um, but yeah, I, I would wow. say, I would say um, in terms of right now, it's very, very interesting because I think a lot of a lot of dancers especially are very used to kind of um, collaboration in person. Um, but yeah, it's all changed. But Yeah, so that, that, that's um, definitely something I wanted to ask you, actually, mm. I guess. It, it is about this kind of 
um, current context that we're dealing with, the impact of COVID-19 on the sector, and obviously for a lot of dancers and choreographers, a huge impact on their practice in having to negotiate these different ways of uh, evolving choreographies and creating movement and just working together, like you say. Mm. Has it affected your practice or has it kind of um, intersected with your practice in ways that uh, unexpected ways or do you feel like it's more like that your practice has kind of been met by a context that that it works for? Uh, Definitely the latter. I remember talking to um, a couple of people who run Instagram galleries um, and saying oh, all of these people are discovering like digital uh, digital choreography and virtual choreography. But we've always been here. There's always been mm-hmm. people who have used uh, software and hardware in their dance practice. For me personally, I haven't seen too much of a change. Um, I normally um, either don't use uh, human dancers, I use kind of software or virtual dancers or uh, my audience becomes the uh, becomes the kind of choreographer or the dancer in that sense so for me not much has changed I know a lot of people uh, it really has drastically uh, uh, changed how people work which is really interesting to see I think the constraint really helps uh, bring out new new aesthetics and new new kinds of ways of working yeah, that's a really, it's a really good point and it's a really interesting thing to reflect on that whilst we, um, I make the case kind of very adamantly for the kind of physical and embodied nature of dance practice, okay. I've also, you know, along with many of my colleagues and peers been learning a lot about the ways that the digital can interact with that and create new relationships, like you say, and new aesthetics. Um, so... Could you speak a little bit more about your, I suppose I'm curious about whether, do you still identify as a dancer or a choreographer? Do you move very, do you still, (laughs) is that something that you would sort of identify yourself as or have you moved more into what you would might, you might call kind of interdisciplinary artistic practice or? Mm. Um, I think I still enjoy dance. I still enjoy the act of dancing. But for me, I would kind of term myself more as a choreographer. In mm-hmm. my head, dance and choreography share a lot of the same values. But whereas dance is kind of the performative movement of humans, of people, uh, in my practice especially, choreography is more like the organization of things in space. And I think having that distinction is very, very important. Um, but yeah, I'd say a lot of my generation, a lot of the artists of my generation, especially, are kind of moving into this interdisciplinary genre. There's no longer a kind of your a painter or your a sculptor or a dancer. It's a bit more kind of everyone does a bit of everything. Yeah, it's more kind of topics that people explore rather than the the way they explore them. Yeah, absolutely. So just tell us a little bit more then about the project you mentioned or something else that you're working on right now in relation to that. Are there particular, what are the particular things that you're exploring? Because I suppose what can happen sometimes with technology or what I notice is that then it becomes all about the technology is the Mm. concept. Do you know what I mean? But once you've negotiated and you understand the technology, then that can be another tool in your kind of choreographic uh, kit, as it were to create so do you feel you're at that stage now are you exploring 
what kinds of concepts are you exploring through your work? Um, so a lot of my, a lot of the concepts I'm exploring right now are to do with uh, participatory choreography using gameplay, uh, gameplay aesthetics. Mm-hmm. So um, there was a, there was a, uh, how, how do I, there was a live stream uh, on Twitch called uh, Twitch Plays Pokemon. And it had a uh, You're video. You're going to have to enlighten me. I don't even know what Twitch is. <laughs> so tw- <laughs> Twitch is an online uh, live stream video service. It's kind okay. of like YouTube, except everything is live instead of pre-recorded. Okay. Um, and there was one Twitch stream, which was uh, the view of a old Pokemon game. So the very popular Japanese uh, uh, kind of... Um, RPG role-playing game Pokemon Um, and users could interact and kind of vote on whether the player would move forward or backwards or left or right or whether they would interact with people Mm -hmm. and at one point there was 1.6 million people uh, uh, playing this game at the same time and I found that very interesting uh, the way that you can kind of democratize choreography using technology Mm -hmm. yeah so um, I'm currently working on a piece at the moment called Smart House Genesis Choreography uh, 2. Wow, that's, uh, a mouth- <laughs> that's a mouthful, a tongue twister. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very much a tongue twister, uh, which it's, uh, it, it kind of has the same sort of concept of uh, you uh, playing uh, a video game in a democratised way with other people. Um, but it also melds and adapts all of these commands to create several choreographic scores at once it's a bit abstract at the moment it's a bit hard to to describe that's fine it's great it's so great to um you know this is what these conversations can open up is sort of these other worlds that I'm not you know not uh, privy to but I think the notion of participation is like you say, it's really interesting and relevant to this kind of online culture that we're developing in performance, because in certain senses, what's gone on through lockdown has opened up a whole incredible array of resources and things that were usually behind closed doors or um, not available to people who maybe didn't attend the theatre for one reason or another, Mm. are suddenly kind of available. And so this notion that we can participate more freely in things because they are readily available online is a very interesting one um but of course again only certain people are being seen only certain people are able to sort of access that information or know where to find things you know so it's it's kind of yeah how we create the cultures that uh, invite people in to participate i guess as well mm. whereas i think with something like pokemon um you know you've got this kind of popular culture uh something that kind of goes viral all by itself if you like because of of the way that it's constructed um so that's really yeah that's really significant i think for dance we could i'm sure we could learn off that if not if not off pokemon itself (laughs) off the structures um so I guess maybe something that's interesting to ask in relation to current students of dance is, thing, is, is do you feel you're kind of where you hoped you'd be or what are your kind of aims now for the future? And when did you graduate, Keir? What year? So 
I graduated two years ago, so I think 2018. 2018, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, are you where you thought you'd be? And what are your hopes for the future, both in terms of your career, but also maybe the future of kind of choreographic practice of the kind that you're involved in? Mm. So I'm, am I where I uh, thought I'd be? A bit of yes and a bit of no. Um, I knew that I wanted to study a master's degree after I left Um, Mm -hmm. so I ended up going and studying a degree of uh, fine art at Wimbledon College of Arts and then for my second year I'm currently studying computational arts an MA at uh, Goldsmiths Mm -hmm. uh, University of London Um, so yeah that part of it I kind of knew I'd do in terms of the kind of my uh, my practice, as it were. My practice is very much changed, but kept the core of what it is. I still explore ideas around uh, agency, uh, non-human practice, removing uh, human identity and human uh, agency from choreography. But I think the way that I practice it is very much different. Uh, before, uh, uh, when I was in Falmouth especially, I worked very much with... Uh, other humans and other human dancers and now it's very much changed into uh, having the uh, audience be the dancers or be the choreographers uh, mm-hmm. or even just not having them at all. Yeah um, so, that, so this not having them at all would your would your aim for the future of dance then be to because what you were saying there about non-human aid would it be to remove humans more from dance? I don't think I ever could, you know. <laughs> I I think it's it's very much dance is so so widespread and there's so many different types of dance. I don't think I'd ever want to remove uh, humans entirely from dance. I mean, I've I I still go and see a, a lot of human dance um uh around London and in different cities and it's all brilliant. Mm-hmm. I think my hope for a dance future would uh would for it to have more of a more of a leaning on choreography rather on dance uh which you're uh i mean we're already seeing there's quite a few people coming from different disciplines from architecture to software engineering from even stuff like cooking that are now uh using choreography as part of their practice which is very interesting i find absolutely yeah so i think i think there's two things to pick up on one of them is even just the way that you say, I, I go and see a lot of human dances, you know. <laughs> but it just what it does is kind of highlight how that's something that we obviously take for granted about what dance is. So it's just, it provides a place for us to think differently about that maybe. And yeah, I think the separation, um, obviously at Falmouth University, we have two strands. We have a dance strand, dance performance strand and we have a dance choreography strand to allow students to specialise in those slightly different perspectives on it. And I guess to the sort of lay person, as it were, that might be quite a, that might feel like splitting hairs. But as you say, there is something in dance that is to do with moving and propulsion and momentum and the kind of physicality and energy and physics of the moving body. Whereas choreography has a much more spatial emphasis and organisational Uh, kind of way of thinking about objects moving yeah so I think it's really good that you through this conversation you sort of picked up on this really key theme that I'm sure will come up again 
Yeah, and it's why I uh, it's why I chose Falmouth to study in actually because I couldn't find any other course in the entire of the UK and even some abroad that really honed in on this idea of choreography as well. Yeah, um, and a lot of the lessons I learned were invaluable. Like there, it's um, I remember one uh, module we did with uh, Katrina and uh, Katrina Brown. Is it? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, Katrina Brown. Yeah. Yeah, where she um she did this uh, whole module that was about uh, choreography in gallery spaces, and yeah. it was really really interesting. You even found that a lot of people who would who were very adamant on uh, only showing on the stage and only having this that and the other, they found a new way of working that helped um, that helped their own practice kind of evolve. Yeah, absolutely. So so. Um take note choreography is not just stringing steps together <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a lot more than that it's a, it's lot a lot more, more than that exactly yeah. fantastic and finally I guess just do you have any advice that you might give to current students of dance or people who are just interested in um, choreography in the way that you describe it of how they might kind of find out a bit more about it or move towards maybe your area of practice or um, so I'll, I'll split this answer into two. Yeah. So for, for kind of uh, students at the moment of dance and choreography and just people interested in dance in general, I'd say do everything, absolutely everything, uh, even if it doesn't pertain to dance or choreography. Like I've, uh, I've started making fonts and type, uh, typefaces mm-hmm. in my spare time and Doing that, even though it's nothing to do with choreography, it's helped influence my choreographic work a ton. Um, so yeah, do everything. In terms of getting into virtual dance, virtual choreography, uh, find a piece of software that you like um, and just learn how to make movement with it, be it uh, JavaScript, uh, P5.js is good. It's a kind of good starter piece of software. Blender is really good if you want to get into kind of modeling and animation, that side of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think that's my general answer. Do Great. everything well, I like well. Do, yeah, I like to do everything. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. But I think it's about not creating these dividing lines between different disciplines and areas of your life that you might be interested in, right? And we're always encouraging students to, if you're into something, then bring it into the studio with you and and it can be kind of part of it. We don't have to have these separations between art and life uh, so much. It all comes back to you. It all comes back to you. Things that you think you um things you did when you were a child they'll they'll come back to you and you'll use it things you do on a Thursday evening that you don't even think of you're just like even like watching tv like if you're if you're creatively stuck sit down and watch some tv you'll get some ideas great well that's very achievable I think (laughs) (laughs) especially nowadays all the listeners will be able to achieve that one yeah. Um, fantastic, Kim. It's been great talking to you. Thanks so much for your time today. No problem. Bye bye. Bye. Hey, Robin. Hello. Hello. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. So, um, did you get a chance to listen to Kia's interview? I did. I thought it was absolutely fascinating. I mean, I'm completely technologically uh clueless is that the right <laughs> way to put it 
Um, but I thought it was really interesting, and I I do I really loved how he's found a way to take two aspects of his I guess passions and really put them together to create this sort of new futuristic form of art. Um, yeah, yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? Um, I like you say I don't want to fall into the kind of stereotype of a dancer or performer who's kind of afraid of technology because I know there's mm. loads of loads of people doing fascinating things, but um. The way that he's working with choreography is this kind of expanded practice. I don't think I'm ever going to look at traffic lights in the same way again. Absolutely. Yeah, that was a brilliant example. And I, I'm really interested in sort of choreography in everyday life as well. So that was a great um, example of that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, what is your current obsession then? Well, it was actually inspired by listening to this interview. I sort of went back a bit um, because I was thinking about how as artists we're always responding to sort of what's the current events and what's going on in life and then of course we had quarantine pandemic still happening um and and it was actually interesting you you saying you know the sort of stereotype of dancers shying away from technology um because I, I think that does happen and I think we all we want we want to be on a stage and we want to be in a space and just making stuff in the moment um but then suddenly we were stuck indoors in our houses away from the studios and if we wanted to further our work and keep creating we had to um interact with technology um we made films or we made we choreographed over zoom or 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 whatever um so I revisited some quarantine dance films I was obsessing over during lockdown um great and I came across a series that I thought would be a really good one to mention it's called Shelter in Place by a director called Ben Dean um, mm-hmm. And they're really high quality films, but just, I think, quite simply shot. I mean, it's usually just sort of one continuous shot and the choreography is amazing. So I, it's all on Vimeo. Um, so I really encourage people to go watch those. They were super inspiring. Um, and yeah, Thank they- you. Thank you, Robin. And as you say, the quarantine and the pandemic is not over. And who knows when we might have to revert to these mm-hmm. ways of dancing with ourselves again. So it's great to have more examples to look to. Totally. All right, catch you next time. See you then. Bye. Bye. Well, I can't say that I've had any of my best ideas whilst watching TV, but I'm open to that changing. I definitely think there's something about being in a kind of relaxed, receptive state that is maybe conducive to helping the creative juices flow. Um So I've been struggling a bit with my geek out this week because much as I loved Keir's interview and the ideas that drive his practice, I think I'm realising I am very much about the human. Um, And I guess that um, the time that we're living through at the moment, I'm already feeling quite saturated by digital technology and kind of craving flesh and bone and sweat and struggle and studios and... um, I'm also aware that historically the body has been really sidelined. And so I thought this week maybe what I'd do is acknowledge the work that's been done in that area to kind of bring the body back. And starting so starting from that place and then moving towards the digital. Um, so I'm going to begin with a book called The Body, Dance and Cultural Theory by Helen Thomas, which is one of my personal favourites because it blew my mind when I was doing my master's and I always recommend it to students for the way it brings, um, yeah, brings the body back. There's the theme. (laughs) Um, 
And I love the way in the beginning she describes how she used to give these lectures at Goldsmiths in London called The Sociology of the Body. And she describes how people would regularly walk out of these lectures or emit strange bodily behaviours, kind of standing up and sitting down or shooting their hands up, but actually having nothing to say. And that something about it was making them really uncomfortable. Um, Now, there's something about this I love, the idea that a lecture could be so kind of um, cutting edge or like so contentious that people would get up and walk out because normally people reject something when it's a sort of game-changing thing. So I will take it as a great compliment if anyone walks out of my lectures, just saying. (laughs) Um, Don't really. Um, So... Yeah, something about these lectures were making certain students really uncomfortable. And I guess that's indicative of how the body and its unruly behaviour, its mess, has been sidelined by mainstream academic subjects, including sociology, um, at least up until about the 1990s. Yeah, so the 90s, as well as... Uh, Nike Air Max, bucket hats, camo trousers, high-waisted jeans, all the things that are currently making a comeback on my students, um, was also the time when there was this massive explosion in cultural studies in general, but also in dance studies in terms of how dance and the study of it had a lot to offer subjects that had previously looked at things like human movement, practices, rules and behaviours without really considering the role of the body. So there was this brilliant um, kind of crossover in these disciplines, arguably perhaps to the detriment of more formalist analyses of dance performances and practices, but that's another conversation. Now, fast forward to 2020, um, and I was at a recent event called Is This Actually a Great Time to Make Changes in Dance? facilitated by Improbable Theatre. And this was a digital event, but it was enlivening and inspiring to connect with colleagues across the sector. And I felt really grateful for how technology could enable that and enable me to see faces of people all over the world um, and the country that I might not otherwise get to have dialogues with. One of the sessions asked what the ideal future for dance might look like. And although this podcast is called Dance Futures, I realised I couldn't put my mind to this task because I was too concerned about what I wanted to bring back, about what has been lost to this pandemic so far. A big part of that for me being touch and contact. But I'm also really aware that there's this danger in resisting, um, in kind of swimming against the tide somehow. And my colleague, Kuldeep Singh Barmi, said to some of us at the beginning of the year, well, we know what we can't do in these circumstances. Let's try and find out what we can do. And Keir clearly wasn't calling for an end to bodies moving in space or human beings being part of choreography, far from it. Um, like the choreographer William Forsyth, who coined the phrase choreographic objects, Keir's proposal for extracting choreography from the tight embrace of dance is actually a very liberatory one and it means that it expands and enlarges to encompass all these other ideas. Something I've talked about before on here in relation to protest movements and movements for change. Um, In this instance it means that things like live coding can be seen as a performance, game structures can become 
choreographic scores and virtual reality can be a way to experience our bodies differently. And also it can give objects and organisms more of a place alongside humans, a kind of ecosystem between the digital and the real. Now, Forsyth's Motion Bank project is at the forefront of working with choreographic coding and for translating aspects of dance into digital forms and is well worth a geek out on motionbank.org if this stuff interests you. There's some great um, videos you can watch up there, some scores to interact with. Um, but I'd also like to remember, as Sita Popat, a former lecturer of mine who researches digital dance practices, points out... <clears throat> dramatic clearing of the throat there wasn't meant to be she writes theatre has always been a space of virtuality the action on the stage exists as neither what it is actually nor what it is pretending to be instead it bridges the actual and the imaginary to create a virtual world in which performers and viewers are complicit so while we imagine virtual worlds and real ones that may yet become or may return, let's use Randy Martin's proposition that while choreography provides the framework, dance provides an immediacy of the social and asks the question, what can we make together? So whatever our tools, whether they're bodies or technology or plants, I don't know, let's keep asking that question. What can we make together? If you enjoyed my mum's podcast, please follow us on social media at Dance Futures Podcast. Tell your dancing friends and also check out the website dancefutures.wixsite.com.